0: There he goes, one of God's own prototypes, a high-powered mutant of some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, and too rare to die. Welcome to version 6.14 of the Digital Freemason Podcast for Monday, January 30th, 2006. I'm your host, Scott, and I'll be taking along on my journeys through the world of short Masonic educational papers. Many of these papers have been presented in my lodge, King George Lodge Number 59 in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So, this is a mobile episode coming to you from the great Canadian Rockies this week. My wife and I decided late in the week it was time for us to both get away from the kids and inoculate ourselves from the post-holiday blues. So, if things sound just a bit off, that would explain it. First off, I'd like to wish a belated 250th birthday to our brother in Freemasonry, Amadeus Mozart. Friday marked the 250th anniversary of his birthday. It was on this day in 1756 that Mozart was born. While little has changed about Freemasonry and the way it worked in in the ensuing years, this week's piece, in a way, brings to light some points which could be made for an interesting discussion at your next lodge meeting. The piece is called The Invisible Craft and it was written by right-worshipful brother Astbury, and was presented at the 40th Banth Conference. Playing the devil's advocate, he poses a question as to whether Freemasonry from Mozart time and before has atrophied in some manner in today's world. The Invisible Craft by right-worshipful brother Astbury I've entitled this paper, The Invisible Craft, and it refers, of course, to our own venerable order, Freemasonry. To some extent, I propose to play the role of the devil's advocate. This is not to say that I believe that there is anything fundamentally wrong with this ancient institution of ours. It is still one of the finest and most moral and most honorable institutions of its kind in existence today. But it does appear to me that we, its members, are doing our best to smother it to death. Masonry was not always the invisible craft. It was, in fact, during the era of operative masons, and indeed most of its history highly visible and highly respected. Its charter was granted from the king, and gentlemen and members of the aristocracy deemed it a prestigious honor to be associated with it. A lodge was known by its achievements, the soaring cathedrals, stately mansions, the solid grandeur of the edifices which it erected. To be a mason was to be known as a man of industry, honor, and integrity. To such an extent was the prestige of the craft recognized that its very language becomes enshrined in its everyday usage, and several several popular phrases still are in use today and owe their origins to this source. Being a past master, being on the level, having square dealings, being blackballed, and so on. Unfortunately, this former prominence of Freemasonry has been, and is now being reduced to a mere shadow of its historical greatness, especially in our larger cities, as we as Masons are to blame. During the past quarter-century, particularly, we seem to have done everything possible to obliterate our order as a viable, effective organization. We have veiled ourselves in a cloak of secrecy far heavier than needs to be required for the concealment of our esoteric teachings. As an institution, we have shunned not only publicity, but recognition. We have done little or nothing in the name of masonry to aid and assist any segment of our community at large, the aged, the sick, the disabled, the indigent, indigent, the youth, the arts, the letters, or any other threads woven into the fabric of our society. We have become inward-looking to a fault. We have lost our our identity in the eyes of the public, and with it, our our ability to perpetuate and revitalize ourselves by the attraction of new members. Indicative of our lack of public identity, is an incident related to me about a woman and her daughter, who recently visited a cemetery containing a Masonic plot. They pondered the score and compasses on the headstones for quite some time, then finally concluded that the plots must be for convicts. Those who swell the ranks of the uninformed label us as everything from a bunch of eccentrics to a cult of devil-worshippers. What has caused us to become so remote, so faceless? so unknown that these myths can permeate the very society in which we live and work. The answer is simple. Masonry, as an organization, is no longer visible. We have hidden our lights under a bushel. We have become so protective of our secrets that almost our very existence has has become a secret. We are becoming the invisible craft. In what way do we as an institution display those qualities which we have propounded in our mysteries? Some twenty-five years ago, a Grand Master solicited funds from individual Masons to furnish a new wing in a hospital. He then had a suitable engraved plaque mounted on the door, indicating the furnishings had been supplied by Masons. Not at any particular lodge, or a particular Grand Lodge, but just by Masons in general. The fur created over this apparent breach of Masonic propriety was such that the plaque was shortly thereafter removed. To this day it has never been replaced, and no mason, either individually or collectively, has ever received public recognition for this benevolent act. Our ritual indicates that a candidate for our mysteries must be unbiased by the improper solicitation of friends, not by unbiased by solicitation of friends. Yet, in our own inimitable way, we have interpreted that phrase to imply that all solicitation is improper. I would suggest that solicitation of a man possessing the necessary qualities for membership is entirely proper and should be encouraged, provided it is done with pure motives and not without undue persuasion, coercion, or promise of financial, social, political, or other tangible gains. It is not, after all, reasonable or logical to assume that a rational or sincere man would attempt to join an organization about which he knows nothing, that he does not see at work in the community whose achievements and accomplishments are hidden from view and which he has been invited to participate in or join nor is it reasonable or logical to assume that any man would or could have a preconceived notion of our order favorable or otherwise if it is hidden from his view it is a well-known psychological fact that one man one of man's most vitally important needs is recognition isolationism and ostracism have been used for decades and centuries to break down resistance and punish nonconformists. Lack of recognition, or denial of the ego, has proven to be a kind of will breaking, demoralizing torture which few men have been able to withstand over sustained periods. A parallel can be drawn with institutions and organizations isolate them in their community, strip them of their identity, deny them recognition and shroud them in visi- in, shroud their visibility, and surely, in time, they will wither into ex- extinction. Throughout the centuries, masonry has been visible. Masons have been the builders in society and of society. They and the craft were seen, recognized, and known in their communities, through their work, through their contribution, and through their support. Wherever masonry is flourishing today, the same is still true. Can we, my brethren, say it is so in our jurisdiction? Are we flourishing? Are we visible? Or are we, in fact, becoming the invisible craft? I would like to put forward the proposition that in some measure we are becoming sustained by the concurrent bodies who base their membership on Masonic affiliations, bodies which in our jurisdiction we have been denied formal recognition. Some of these organizations have been highly visible. They have operated hospitals, built homes for the aged, encouraged education, and supported charitable works and through people wishing to belong to these visible, worthwhile organizations who have derived some members. In many cases, however, they are not active in the Blue Lodge, but do do become deeply involved in the concurrent bodies where they feel they are making a worthwhile contribution. There are a great many areas where we could be involved and where assistance is sorely needed, not just financially, but physically, emotionally, and morally. The old saw that such assistance is the responsibility of the individual mason solely. will no longer cut it. If our craft teaches relief and consolation to others, the craft should be offering relief and consolation to others. If the craft teaches universal benevolence and charity, the craft should be taking a leadership in extending universal benevolence and charity. To do otherwise, or to fail as a group to conduct ourselves as we enjoined our individual members to, to conduct themselves, is to be inconsistent within our own philosophical precepts. What city lodge in our jurisdiction in recent history has, as a lodge, made a significant contribution to those around us? What lodge has put on a concert for the old, taken patients for a stroll in the park, attended a Job's daughter or Demolay function, delivered meals on wheels, volunteered assistance during an emergency, or even supported a little theater group, Who has helped a struggling artist, helped shut-ins with their shopping or personal care? These are the things which can make us more visible. They give us identity and purpose. We don't have to wave banners, march through the streets, get into the press, or advertise our wares. We need not to publicize our endeavors, but we have to do the work. Out there, yes, in the public, as an organization, doing what we profess to be all about. The alternative, brethren, is clear. Unless we practice what we preach, we will become an endangered species. We will become the invisible craft. So, have things changed inside Freemasonry in the way it operates in the past 250 years? I would suspect not too much has changed. Have things changed in the way Freemasonry is perceived by the outside world? Possibly quite a bit. Bring up this topic at your next lodge meeting. Think about what it is that your lodge could do to help bring the fraternity into the consciousness of today's society. Thank you for listening to The Digital Freemason. I've been your host, Scott, and I've enjoyed our time together. If you'd like a transcript of this podcast, please feel free to visit our website, www.kinggeorgelodge.com. If you have any comments or ideas for further podcasts, please feel free to email me at podcast at I look forward to hearing from you. Until next week, take care.